Hey there, party people. Did you know that Encounter Party is now an official Dungeons & Dragons television show? You can find our second campaign on the Dungeons & Dragons Adventures channel, available now on Plex and Freebie. We have new episodes every Tuesday night at 9pm, and the show is available on demand next day on Plex. For links and to learn more, head on over to our website at EncounterParty.com. Now, please enjoy this episode of Campaign 1 of Encounter Party. Warning, this episode features very strong language and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Last time on Encounter Party! As the undead horde rampaged through the Conclave, our players did all they could to defend the Celesnia from the Golgari onslaught even facing the Golgari Perun himself. However, in his newly resurrected state, the Lich could not survive against the will of our players. The final conspirator was vanquished inside Vitugazi, his essence used to help power the glyph, used to summon Merit Lage. But where are our heroes? Where have they gone? Find out this week! On Encounter Party! The streets of Ravnica are overrun with a barrage of rampage and violence. The undead hordes have overtaken the 10th district. Ancient teratogens, never before seen on the surface, swarm the skies, devouring the city's endemic life. The disruption of Vitugazi has made shortages across all of Precinct 3, crippling the Selesnia as they desperately try to reclaim the glade. The Azorius themselves are under siege, trapped behind their defensive barriers while they fight to protect the seat of law. Only the slums of Precinct 1 separate the Orzov from the Dead Bridge. It's an indefensible region of victims primed for the ravenous horde. The fractured guild members soon have their contracts turned against them. Instead of protecting the populace, they are forced to uphold the protection of the wealthy barons in their manners. The sounds of carnage ripple across the skyline all the way to Precinct 6, stirring the dormant ears of Rakdos himself. The great demon's molten blood boils, and he awakens with a roar that would split a mountain. Liquid fire erupts from the halls of Rixmadi as thousands of Rakdos cultists spill out onto the streets in psychotic revelry, eager to join the defiling of Ravnica. The Boros Legion, though mighty in number, are stretched far too thin across the 10th district. The outpour of Rakdos has pulled their attention away from the eastern regions. Hasda militias are deployed as the fair folk of Ravnica batten down their shops and homes, hoping to save them from the riots and destruction. Simic hospitals are soon overrun. The Izzet race frantically around the 10th district, 
desperately trying to quench the fires now raging across the city, all while fighting to keep the city's utilities operational. And in the midst of all of this chaos, no one notices a lone master researcher who suddenly appears beneath the statue of Agris Koss. A wry smile peels across his long black beard with a single white streak as he begins to summon a spell. Lorzach, you find yourself in pitch blackness, suffered from the overwhelming feeling of drowning. Give me a constitution saving throw, please. 24. You are currently underwater. Swim for your life. Give me a perception check. 26. You can orient yourself so you know which way is up. And Lorzach heads for the surface. As you breach the surface of the water, you hear several voices in common as they pull you out of the deep, simultaneously helping you while also attempting to arrest or bind you in a particular way. And you find yourself staring at several simic faces. Lorzach, not quite ready to kill them all yet. We'll ask them in common. Where am I? You are somewhere you should not be, under citizen. And it looks like they are going to physically detain you. Grant me safe passage and I'll leave of my own free will. I have no intention of staying here at all. That is a permission we cannot grant. It is not for us to decide. And who decides for you? That would be the Master Biomancer. Vizara? You know her. And she knows me. Tell her Lorzash Rotspeaker would wish to speak with her immediately. You are ushered into a holding chamber, and as you exit the area where you are from, you can see what appears to be the bottom of a Simic medical facility that is currently under construction. And you are led up through a gelatinous elevator to a holding room where you sit for a long period of time, enough time to take a long rest. And after many hours, perhaps as much as half a day, you are left inside of this room with the uneasy feeling that you are being observed like a creature in a tank. He seems to keep testing the boundaries of his own flesh. They'll notice him reflexively moving through several cantrips, little wisps of flame, the sort of calloused growths that appear and disappear on his skin, seeming to test his own mastery over his body and the environment around him, because Lorzach is no longer sure what is real. All your spells seem to work. And aside from these few meditative exercises, he remains more or less motionless for many hours on end. Uh, let's get a performance check out of that. 17. After quite a long time of patience 
You flare some spells, you check the reality of the situation, but you realize that it's only after a brief period of time of passivity that a section of the wall that you thought was a wall opens up. And waltzing into your containment chamber with a small envoy is the Master Biomancer Vizara, who greets you. Not the direction I expected you to return, Panda Citizen. Believe me, I was quite surprised to wake up in the water myself. And where is my security officer? You didn't find him? He's not already here. My scientist fished you out of the deep, like a common carp. And Lorzech thinks for a minute, and sees no reason not to divulge the truth of his situation to the Master Biomancer. The last thing I remember was fighting against Svogthir's incursion in the Third Precinct. I know you have no reason to believe me, but the Golgari Swarm has been subverted to the ends of Master Researcher Malthus Reed, who even now threatens the rest of the realm, at the Tree of Vitugazi. We were, each of us, teleported away, one by one. I suspect Parax was delivered as well, to some parts unknown. Follow me, she declares as she leads you up to the top side. And she ushers you outside the front of what you've now figured out is on it for. And she points to a dark black maelstrom in the sky. And you feel the temperature has plummeted on all of Ravnica into an icy chill. Something you've never experienced before. And she points skyward and says, I suspect this has something to do with that. Yes, I would say you're right. It seems we were less than successful in halting the plans of Malthus Reed. Four out of five conspirators dead. Or so we thought. With Svogthir defeated, only the undead Malthus Reed remains. That appears to be enough. There is a storm gathering over the center of Ravnica. What will you do now, Undercitizen? Fight until my dying breath, I suppose. And you? I imagine my charge is to get you there. And she leads you back down into the Zonnet. Saloran. You awaken face down with a mouthful of dirt. Your helmet is at your side. Your shield is a small distance away. With a slight cough, you pick yourself up with the strain of several hours after being uncomfortably placed, long enough to have received a long rest. Perception to see where I am and gather my bearings. Sixteen. You stand up and find yourself in a small clearing in the middle of a forest. And his hand reaches into his pouch to make sure that the orb is where he left it. You are in possession of an orb. And he sighs a deep sigh of relief. Gathering his shield, putting on his helmet, 
He then calls out, Hello! Selesnians! No response. He thinks of the cold arrogance in Malthus Reed's eyes as he cast aside Sphogthir, the Perun of the Gugari Swarm, and decides that no matter what happens, he has to push on. He gets up, and he starts to try to find his way out of this forest. Give me a nature check. Nineteen. Wow. Let's see how long it takes you. Not bad for a city boy. No. You wander around for the better part of three hours until you hear drums. Oh, shit. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck. I don't suppose these sound like the drummings that my Boros companion was so fond of playing. Well, perhaps if you had accumulated the master stroke of the group clan Tritone, you would have been able to memorize that uh, and recognize that forthwith. Saloran <sighs> so is not a fan of what's about to happen. Knowing that traditional means of decorum and peacemaking will not fall well to the eyes and ears of these savages. He makes sure his shield is fastened to his arm, his morning star is in his hand, and not threatening, but his head held high, he walks straight towards the sound of the war drums to show his strength. You can see a rather familiar-looking gruel camp. And Saloran cries out, Saloran Trent, of the clan Orzov, requests an audience with Rourke and Thor. What's your armor class? Twenty. As you go marching into the camp, the metallic ring of your armor will immediately draw attention. The Gore clan members all rise from their campfires, they pull out of their tents, and they begin to gather around you. They don't necessarily impede you. Instead, the crowd parts for you, creating a path that leads to that familiar oaken throne. But as you go marching through, you're going to feel a sudden blow to the back of your knee as a cruel warrior strikes you with a club for three bludgeoning damage. And before you can turn to look, another clan member is going to come up and hit you hard in the head with a rock for six bludgeoning damage. So Lauren, with his weapon and shield in hand, head held high, recollecting the memory of Tessa and the trial of poise at the Grand Basilica, so Lauren continues to walk forward into the Gruul clan encampment. As you mimic the pride of your guild leader, you will receive several more strikes from the Gruul Warriors as you march your way through the gauntlet. Goblins, there are ogres, humans, centaurs, all of them are shouting jeers at you and howling war cries in an attempt to break your will. You'll get a strike to the same knee that will cause four points of bludgeoning damage. You will take another four points as a horse kick from a centaur to your lower back sends you careening into the opposite side of the line. The Gruul Warriors will push you back into the gauntlet, and as you collect yourself, 
as they call you base and soft and weak. You look up to see a Gore Clan giant step out in front of you, and you will take 11 points of bludgeoning damage as this giant brings a hammer fist down onto your clavicle. You still up? Yeah, man. Then you survive the gauntlet, and you find yourself before the shattered oak tree upon which sits the mighty Rurik Thar, staring down on you with rage in his eyes. Why have you returned, Orzov weakling? Rurik and Thar, I come because of the treachery of an Izzet coward. He has skirted the laws of death. He has fooled many of his own conspirators. He has fooled many of the people that have entered into a contract with him. And now the fate of this plane of existence is in threat. I humbly ask you to provide me a means of conveyance to the 10th district. Rurik Thar rises from his throne and stomps down to you with a snort. And he stares at you and he puts his hand up in front of you, a hand that's bigger than your head, and he growls low, daring you to place your own hand in his. Salorn cannot feel any fear, and he does so. Give me an opposing strength check. 21. With a squeeze that can crush bone, both heads roar in your face, and the entire camp erupts in a chorus of war chants and bloodlust. Xenia, you can't hear anything. You can't see anything. You can't taste anything. But you can smell a lot of funk. And you wake up on your back, arced over the top of your glass pod in a very uncomfortable position. And you've been out for quite a while, enough to have taken a long rest. Xenia stands to her feet and takes her hands and wipes the dirt and and gore from the surrounding situation off of her goggles. You feel very cool, but the area around you, even though you've wiped off your goggles, is still pitch black. Uh, I call out. Hello? 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 I bring Frank along. You are in the Undercity. No! Um, okay, can I roll perception to get my bearings to see if I recognize anything? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a nine. You are very lost. Uh, okay. Quill? That's fine. I, I investigate my, my surroundings closest to me. For a, uh, 28. For once in her life, 
Xenia feels like she actually did pay attention. And you notice a, a great deal of fungus, specifically that blue fuzzy moss that you know creates electricity. Oh, I'm near um, Lorzatch's home. Possibly. Perhaps. Um, do I see any beautiful statues around me made out of repurposed things? Uh, give me a perception check. That's a nice way to say corpses. <laughs> 19. Yeah, with, uh, with a surprisingly little amount of effort, you happen to locate Lorzatch's house. Okay, and Xenia lets herself in and goes through his stuff. Unfortunately, you can't really figure out what any of it is. That's fine. Um, and uh, she looks around for Fetch to see if he's there. You find him oh. wandering around outside. And Zenio holds her hand up to his little fuzzy mandibles. And you get a bunch of philia and, and mandibles and hands just... As he greets you. And Zenia, for one moment, entertains the thought of never trying to make it topside, spending her remaining days down here until the destruction of the world, because she's feeling a little bit at a loss, physically, as she doesn't really remember how to get out. And she's also very perplexed as to how she got here. She reaches into her pack to feel for her orb. It's in there. She reaches in her pack to feel for that teleportation device that she took off of the Rakdos. It is also there. Okay. So Xenia goes back out to fetch and through an elaborate amount of gestures basically is asking him if he knows which way is topside. So she points up, she shrugs her shoulders, and she does a little walking in place, and she points to herself and crosses her eyes to make sure he knows she's really confused. <laughs> For a nine of animal handling. <laughs> and Fetch begins wandering away. Doesn't help me any. It doesn't? I guess I follow him. <laughs> I do. I follow Fetch. What else am I doing? You wander for several hours as his pace has not increased until you are led directly to the outpost camp of Thridvash. Right. Um, along the way, I am just talking Fetch's potential ears off. Mm -hmm. Just telling about her adventure... Asking about how he's been, you know. Oh, it's good to hear, friend. And uh, she makes her way into the outpost and I imagine sees some guards. Yes, they would not have forgotten you. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and she says, uh, may I please speak with Fr Thrinvash? Yes, he presents himself. He seems very excited to see you. Well, that's nice. Um, hello, Thrinvash. And I fill him in on what is happening topside with 
Malthus Reed and with Spoth Gear and with the horde of zombies overtaking everything and most likely Merritt Lage making an appearance and says that she really isn't certain how she ended up down here. Thrinvash is incredibly overwhelmed by what you have just told him and wonders what it is they could possibly do to help you. If the end of the world truly is coming, unfortunately, the Golgari Swarm is fractured. Gerard is dead. Svogthir is no more, perhaps? Well, sir, I do need to make my way topside because most likely I will die, but I'd like to at least give it the old College of Storms and Electricity try. So if you can help me get to the fourth precinct where the fire mind is, or even just above ground in, a, in an expedient fashion, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, Lorzach, as far as I know, since I last saw him, was still alive. All right, I can take you topside if that's what you truly desire. You plan on taking this thing on your own? I mean, there's four others, but really, that's about as good as doing it on my own, for sure. Compared to what we're facing. Let's just be frank, not you. All right, follow me, child. And now, a quick word from one of our sponsors. You know, folks, blank walls can be pretty boring. So why not spruce up your home or office by heading over to ukiyopop.com. They have a collection of traditional Japanese prints inspired by today's comics, games, and movies. The gallery is viewable online for free and prints are available for purchase. So head over to ukiyopop.com. That's U-K-I-Y-O-P-O-P.com. Tradition in a modern method. And now, back to the party. Perix. Hey. You feel cold stone underneath you. Very, very uncomfortable. It's cold, chilly, the sort of vacuous air of a lack of insulation. Just marble. And you wake up on your back with a headache. And who knows how long you've been there. Long enough to have achieved a long rest. You're on the floor of a decadent marble room. And you see several fancily dressed people standing over you. And as you roll slightly to the right, you can see there was a salon they could have left you on. Instead, they kept you on the floor. Perix will blink a couple times to try and catch his bearings. Do these finely dressed people appear to be wearing the colors of the Orzov? Oh, yeah. And Perix tiredly, so overwhelmed by what it is he's set out to do, despite having little reason he thought he understood about himself to do it, quietly says, 
I demand a council with Tessa Carla. She's expecting me. Roll for it. Thought maybe you just let me have. (laughs) (laughs) An 18. They pick you up forcibly and shove you through the door and march you through one of the grand manors of the Orzov and thrust you onto the floor of the audience chamber of the now guild leader Tessa Karloff, who in her hand is holding a hand holding an orb. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Very taken aback by that experience to look at with a million questions about whose hand, whose orb, who did the cutting, many questions. But honestly, his first question is, did we lose, has Merit Lage been summoned? Not entirely. Well, that is a relief. Then I have at least 10 questions about that hand in your hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you one per finger. Great. Whose hand is it? I suspect it is all that remains of the former Golgari Perun, Zvogti. Funny that you don't know it, considering how we found it on your person. He struggles to his feet, looks at Tessa and says, We fought Svogthir at Vitugazi, and we could feel the tide turning in our favor against the Lich, but... The recently no longer deceased Malthus Reed arrived, and I find myself here. This would be the first time she's heard about Malthus Reed still be kicking around, yeah? Yeah. If she's surprised, she doesn't show it, because she's that fucking good. She is good. And Perix will ask my companions, have you found them? You appeared in the middle of my manor. Perix quickly fills her in. The... Going to the Undercity, what we had discovered with Gerard, with the reviving of Malthus Reed, to going to the Boros and working with Tajik, what we understood about the the Lich body parts and the Rakdos assassin. Um, And then, with a assuredness that he really doesn't feel he's earned. In fact, there's something in his head that's very even questioning why he's still doing this. He looks at her and says, I have to return to the fight. I must go right now. Are you even aware of the situation you've left outside? No. Follow me. And she escorts you to the front balcony of her manor and opens these grand French windows. And you look out northward into the center of the 10th district to see a giant black maelstrom coalescing over the center of Ravnica. What's happening in Ravnica? I suspect it's far worse than we can observe from this platform. But as you can see, destruction has run rampant across the entirety of the 10th district. There is very little separating us from the dead bridge. The undead hordes of, now that we know, belong to Svogthir, have completely overrun the slums and the ghost quarter. 
From our observation towers, we have witnessed the complete collapse of District 2 as the Orzov Senate is trying desperately to maintain any sense of order within New Prov. You have made it out, but from your recent testimony, we can also assume that Precinct 3 and the Selesnia are also losing their battle against the Undead Horde. Now, on top of everything, including a black maelstrom, if you look off to your left, you may notice the large columns of molten lava shooting out from Precinct 6. It appears Malthus Reed's machinations and complexity knows no end. All of this chaos and revelry has sterned the great demon Rakdos himself, so now we have also that to contend with. And of Orzova? How is it here? You have the forces. Are you able to protect yourselves? That's one of the reasons I brought you up here. We have your information. We know what you do. Within the Simic, we know about your responsibilities with security detail. I need your eyes, Perix. We are being overrun. And what's worse, we cannot marshal our forces out of selfishness. The recent unseating of the Ghost Council has already left us fractured. And unfortunately, despite everyone's personal intentions... The wealthiest of the Orzov are calling in their personal contracts. We have no militia, we have no standing force, we have just a bunch of private security details. And now they're being called back to everyone's personal property, defending everyone's private possessions. I need your eyes. I need your analysis. How bad is Orzova? Any answers? With no empathy, Orzova will fall. If those things are true, you can't stem the bleeding. You can't cauterize the wound. Orzova will collapse brick by brick. Which means if the Orzov are going to survive, if you are going to be able to help us with that, and he points at the maelstrom, then you need to get out of here, and however you have to get out, you're taking me with you, and you're taking that. And he points at the orb, and he says, that right there needs to be at the front line of defense against Merit Lage, and nothing else matters. So however you can get out of here alive, and therefore get us out of here alive, you need to do it immediately. She's not even going to look at you. She's just going to stare off at the fires of the Rakdos and the maelstrom brewing over the statue of Agris Kos. But she will just throw a very direct question at you. And she just asks you point blank. Can you win? Perix looks at Tesa Karlov, looks at the orb wrapped in the undead hand of Deoreth, and says, Give me the orb, and get me to the maelstrom. Fikara, the last eight hours of your life have been hell. You're not sure how you got there, but you are currently hugging your knees, trapped in a detainment sphere. Perhaps one that's too small for a minotaur of the Boros Legion. It's weird to say you've earned a long rest, 
because you've had little to do but count the ticking clock as you stare at your kneecaps. Give me a wisdom saving throw. Eleven. It's not been great on your psyche. Not one follicle of your hair can even move. Over eight hours, you are forced to endure this until suddenly you can feel the sphere around you jostle and tremor. The sphere dissipates and you drop about four feet onto a cold, hard stone floor. Ow. Do I still have everything on me? My maces, my armor, my orb? Your weapons are not on you. Everything else is. Okay, so I do have the orb. You have the orb. Trying to avoid a massive amount of panic, because if this is where I think I am, it's super bad. Fikara will simply walk up to the... is Is there a window or like a door or something to the cage? Perception check. 20. You raise your head to find the entirety of your peripheral vision obscured by a gargantuan sphinx about 10 feet from your face staring down at you. Judging you. Hi. You get no response other than a giant expulsion of air out of her nose that's powerful enough to ruffle your fur and push you back half a step. She is bigger than Niv-Mizzet. Um, why am I here? Um, give me a history check. 16? I would ask of you the same question. Calm, collected, wise, bellows out from her lungs with enough force still to knock you on your butt. Um, you didn't bring me here? Because I have no idea how I got here. I suspect you do not. You do not appear, is it? So I imagine this is not your own doing. However, you are now in the private sanctum of Esperia, Supreme Judge of the Azorius Senate. As she rises to her full height and these gorgeous chromatic wings spread out in terrifying beauty. No judgment! Citizen of Ravnica! Ma'am, I apologize for any intrusion. And I'll basically get off my butt and kind of take a knee and bow in the most respectful manner that I can think of. The last I knew, we were battling a terrible lich that was trying to attack the world tree. And next thing I knew, I'm here. I need to get back out there. I need to go and help save Ravnica. You have to believe me, please. Give me a history check. 18. If this is, in fact, Isperia, 
the head of the courts of Ravnica. Given what you've recently been facing, there's probably one very distinct way to motivate her to action. Svogthir. We were battling Svogthir. Give me a persuasion check as she booms. Liar! Nat 20. Hey! It's a 25. Vakara's pure heart. What do you want to tell her? Malthus Reed brought him back. Got body parts for him. Wings of an angel. They attacked the world tree. He's been freed. Svogthir has been freed. If we don't stop Malthus Reed, the entirety of Ravnica will be lost to the interdimensional evil that is Merit Lage. She's able to corrupt whatever she touches. And she's being summoned here to Ravnica. Everything will die and be gone. There will be no justice anymore. Nothing for you. There will be no you. As she glares at you, staring into your soul, you remember hearing stories of how Esperia could literally see the lies flying out of one's mouth. And then, in the cavernous silence, you begin to hear screams and shouting from outside whatever chamber you're in. You hear commands of authority that are cut off by a horde of growls and roars. The chaos has reached the steps of the courthouse. A furious banging jostles your frame. And finally, after an eternity of introspection, Esperia, voice of justice, furrows her brow at the coming carnage and says, Get behind me! And as you take cover behind her ginormous wings, each feather is like the size of a horse, you feel the orb at your side begin to glow red hot. A searing pain like fire tears into your side, but it only lasts a second before dwindling back into its cold, frozen state. The black maelstrom hanging over Ravnica continues to grow, its eye converging on the statue of Agris Kos. The chaos continues to rampage across the city. Svogthir's horde is overrunning the east, while Rakdos terrorizes the west. The dead lay innumerable in the street, as the worst calamity in Ravnica's history befalls the endless city. It's worse than the shattering of Vitugazi. It's worse than the Kraj that nearly swallowed the city. Malthus Reed's spell has begun. Above all the roars of carnage, from westward in the third district, a deafening wave of destruction ripples through the streets as the skyline begins to crumble beneath the horizon. Those who have not fled in terror can witness a dozen Simic Kaiju wading through the cityscape, 
these enormous reptilian monstrosities, these terrifying experiments of the Simic Combine are larger than most of the buildings they crush with every gargantuan step. Atop the lead Colossus is a small Devkarian elf riding the quickest shortcut he could find to the city center. The kaiju's long, drawn-out bellows draws the attention of the defiler himself. Rakdos, guild leader of the Rakdos cult, stares up from his revelry at the oncoming giants. He bellows a fire-filled roar that melts the windows around him. He remembers his battles against the Simic in days past, and he knows firsthand the danger of such monsters. His black wings stretch out, and the demon takes to the skies. Now, from your vantage point, Lorzach, you see a flicker of flame off into the distance before a molten streak of rage turns into a screaming maw of Rakdos coming straight for you. His lava scythe strikes but once, cleaving the gelatinous mass of a monster into pieces. You fall hundreds of feet into a soft, gooey pile of cytoplast well short of your destination. Better get running. The glades of Selesnia have been overrun. Tulsimir stands with his white wolf, Voja, attempting to make a final stand against the never-ending onslaught. When suddenly, Voja pricks up her ears and turns her gaze to the north. Slowly, quietly at first, but then growing into a crescendo. A chorus of war drums echo out in a familiar tritone. And from out of the forest, on the back of a rage beast, charges a man in once pristine white and gold armor, now splattered in green and red war paint. Behind him follows the rest of the Gore Clan, as the gruel tear into the Golgari swarm. The rage of the Gore Clan reawakens the savage instinct of the Selesnia as they regather their forces and push back the horde. After the initial vanguard assault, Solorin Rurikthar looks to you as you're picking your morning star out of some zombie's caved-in skull and he gives you a surprisingly formal salute, giving you permission to head off to your actual goal. Solorin takes his morning star and smashes it into his shield with a resounding thump, 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 as in salute to Rorik Thar. And then he turns his beast towards the center of Ravnica, and very much unlike anything that a member of the Orzhov would do, bellows this deep war cry and charges forth. Smoke and dust mar the already blackened obsidian facade of Orzova. Without a unified counterforce, 
the gorgeous gothic manners of the Orzov elite begin to fall one by one. Above the wreckage, two thralls struggle to carry the limp body of a simic wizard above the spires of Precinct 1. But slow sputtering things in the sky are perfect targets for Rakdos revelry. The cultists begin throwing fistfuls of fire at you three, and you go down, bouncing off a rooftop. Herix, can I get a dexterity saving throw, please? 60. I'd say your amphibian instincts kick in as you tuck and roll and hop down onto the Transguild Promenade. However, you are now surrounded by a growing number of Rakdos cultists. It's time to fight for your life. Just like when you guys had to fight your way up to Sunholm, give me a general attack roll to see if you can make it out of this. 15? Hmm. That is a very difficult number to interpret in this situation. Hmm. Well, let's hope you make it. (sighs) In Precinct 2, the once white marble of the Azorius Guild Hall is now marred by a wave of black as the Horde has breached the gates of Nuprov. From beneath the onslaught, a mighty sphinx breaks through the ceiling, fleeing into the black sky. In her paws, she carries the Boro soldier, Fakara or Drun. But the air is freezing over, and you can feel her shivering amplified by her giant frame. And don't forget, This isn't just a zombie horde. A swarm of ancient teratogens take to the sky and begin attacking Isperia en masse, biting at her and tearing at her. They swarm all over her, restricting her movements and impeding her ability to fly. And she just can't really fight back as she's holding on to you. And it's just too much. Like a wave of locusts, these insectile aberrations rip her out of the sky and the two of you go plummeting into the Transguild Promenade. She has cushioned your fall, but you are still some distance away from your goal. Asperia, are are you okay? Where where are you hurt? What can I do? How, How can I help? Oh no, she rolled off the backside of the causeway. She, she fell. Oh. Oh shit. Um, then there's nothing attacking. Her and those creatures fell plummeting to the bottom. You are alone on the promenade. Okay. Um, I'll click my heels and run towards the maelstrom and just beat whatever I can on the way. And in the midst of all of this, Amongst all the chaos and the insanity, unbeknownst to anyone, a small blue head pops up beneath a manhole cover in the central plaza of Agris Kos. Xenia, where you pop up is actually behind Malphus Reed. 
You can see the master researcher manipulating the sky with these grand gestures as he swirls his arms around, seemingly tracing that shape of a glyph that you found in his laboratory so many weeks ago. He has these two, like, transistors at his side, planted into the stonework, and they seem to be both empowering his spellcasting abilities, but also keeping him tethered to the ground in the midst of this raging maelstrom. His long black beard is billowing in the wind, and you can see his hands are frosted up to his elbows. You can feel the power, the knowledge, in a spell far beyond any ability you could have conceived before this moment. Right now, he seems unable to move from his spot, unable to pause what he has begun. And Zenia sees him and she calls out to him. Hey! Malphus! What are you doing? This is insanity! And Malphus Reed obviously hears that and turns around and stares at you with this mix of anger, betrayal, and criticism as he just starts, You are not where you are supposed to be right now. But I can see that thing at your hip. Now quickly, give me the orb before it's too late. Wait, what are you, where I'm supposed to be? What are you talking, look at this. Look at you. Look at this production. This is embarrassing. Look at you, you round wannabe. This is humiliating. All the things that you have to do, all the rigmarole you have to go through, just to do something that he can do without blinking an eye? Do not talk to me of Ral Zarek. I am greater than Ral Zarek. I am greater than the Firemind. Now give me the orb before you doom us all. Really, greater than Ral and greater than the Firemind? Because all I see is an angry, pathetic man who needs to pull forces from outside of himself to do anything slightly impressive. What would you have me do? A member of the it? Spend the rest of my life groveling at the foot of that dragon? At Rall? This is greater than either of them. Give me the orb now! What does this orb even do? How is this serving you? It is her prison! It will control her! I cannot command Meritlage without that orb! Are you really so prideful and naive to think that you could control her? Really? How? Do you think a being like this negotiates? Do you think she would help us willingly? She must be dominated. The dragon cannot do this. Rawl cannot do this. I will control her, but not unless you hand me that item. To what end? What do you want from all of this? There is an infinite expanse of realms, of knowledge, of possibilities. Would you have me ignore that? Would you ignore that? Of course. 
course not. I un- I understand the pull. I understand that need and that yearning for learning. But I I don't understand. How are you going to walk between these realms and learn anything? You are not a planeswalker. We of the Izzet League do not ask permission for knowledge. We take it. We learn. We find it. She will be taken and controlled. A being who will act as our portal, whether she is willing or not. With that orb, I can manipulate her. I can trap her between realms, force her to open a portal. She poses no threat as long as you hand that to me. If this orb holds as much power as you claim, why should I give it to you? Why shouldn't I hold on to it myself and claim that power for myself? Don't flatter yourself, you baseline researcher. You could not understand a fraction of what I have done. You cannot, Ral cannot, not even the fire mind can contemplate what I am doing here. How dare you fail to acknowledge your better? You're trying to use logic? And reasoning with me? Like an is it? You're no is it. You're Golgari now. You are an undead corpse leading an army of undead corpses. What a fabulously impressive life. My mistake, my mistake. Absolutely, you're right. So all of these insults that you're hurling and and banter and, and just stripping him down actually causes Malthus Reed to, to misstep, I think, for a second as he has to catch himself and, and reassign himself to this spell that he's casting that's, that's kind of got him locked in place as he continues to manipulate this maelstrom and work on summoning Merit Lage. And you can feel that sort of cold collectiveness of an intellectual return as he just sort of dismisses you from over his shoulder and just says... I am immortal now. I do not need to explain myself to you. Rahl will know he has been bested on his deathbed. He will go to his grave knowing he is inferior. The Firemind's been alive for 10,000 years. When's he supposed to know he's inferior? Ramble and pontificate all you want, but if you can't explain this to your scientific peers, even a baseline researcher, you're just a madman screaming in a storm. That stabs him. <laughs> that that gets him pretty hard. The I think the accusation of him being a madman really, really stings home, um, and, and you peel out of him. Fine. You run to the fire mind. And the two of you can commiserate in your inferiority. There is an infinite expanse of multiverses out there. Knowledge, power, research, informs none of us can comprehend. I will have an eternity to research, to plumb the depths of the infinite. An immortal army to carry out my will. And when I am done devouring my fill, I will simply write another glyph and force Merit Lage to open the way to a new one. Shit. 
shit, you really thought this through. She is coming! None of us can stop it now! Either I win, or we all die! And what? You, you, you just leave? Precisely! There is an infinite expanse of knowledge! I thought you declared you could understand this! How dare you! You would deny science! Deny a fellow scientist of that opportunity! For what? For this place? For a group of nothings whose story is already at an end. Would you deny that to yourself? Can I come with you? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Are you serious? Yeah. Malthus Reed backs off and straightens himself and stretches out a hand, and very indifferently. If you can survive, I might find some use for you. Before it is too late, hand me the orb. And Xenia locks eyes with him, walks forward, and hands him the orb. On the next Encounter Party, Malthus Reed has made his move, realizing a plan years in the making. The spell has been powered, and now only moments remain before Merit Lage arrives in Ravnica. Though our players rush toward the city center, has Xenia already decided their fate? Find out next time on the exciting conclusion of campaign number one, on Encounter Party! Encounter Party is produced by Play Plus One and Charging Moose Media, based on the worlds of Dungeons and & Dragons and Magic the Gathering, created by Wizards of the Coast. Original campaign written by Brian David Judkins. Sound capture and original effects by Will Malones. Edits and mixing by Ned Donovan and Katie Brow. Theme song and additional music by Alexander Nakarada of Serpent Sound Studios. Additional music by Serge Narcissoff and Kevin McLeod of Incompetech. Special thanks to Megan Judkins and Will Malones. Perix here, with a quick message for you from the Encounter Party team. I've been modified so many times, but the next modification will be to give an auto-review to my favorite podcast on the platform of your choice. You can find your adaptation and news and updates on the show at EncounterParty.com. I also might modify myself to just automatically join the Facebook group The Encounter Party, or even give a follow to us on Twitter and Instagram at Encounter underscore Party. Why? Because Encounter Party is dope, we are looking to interact with you more. Thanks, y'all.